Hello and welcome to Reviews from the Curl Space, the show that we do for a while. We've been doing it for a while. A couple yeah, of year, yeah. A couple of years yeah, now. Yeah, a few four years. years now. And uh, yeah, we're at episode 106. That's yep, yeah, 106. There we are. Yeah. I'm Douglas. That's Vicky. Hi. And you can find us on the the twits, at the Twitters at RFTCS1, and on the Instagrams. Uh, and it's just Reviews from the Crawl Space is one. One word, one block. Yeah. And uh, we post what we're working on now and linked back episodes so you can check out everything that's there and look at all the album covers and all that happy crap. Right? Right. Right. Okay. So speaking of happy crap, what do we have today? Okay. So the three albums that we're talking about today yeah. are... Number one is a band called Earthquake that I've never heard of before. I thought they were always... I always thought they were Canadian. And they're eight... Their album eight point five. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is Rolling Stones. The Rolling uh, Stones. Some girls, yeah. I've never had them on the show. No, not at all. <laughs> and the third one is JJ Kale Troubadour. All right. Well, let's uh, let's got anything else to add other let's than dig in. Follow us, and you can find our podcast pretty much anywhere. There's podcast podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Spotify is probably the easiest, but uh, we're an anchor and apples and Google, so. Yeah, and a Find bunch of us. other obscure <clears throat> ones, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get cracking on this Earthquake album. Okay, Earthquake 8.5. Uh, Earthquake is an American pop, power pop band yeah. formed in 1966. That's quite a mouthful. Power pop. Power pop rock. Um, originally called Purple Earthquake, the band drew its influences from rock and blues bands of the 50s and 60s although i have to be honest i don't don't see much influence from the 50s oh definitely yeah definitely not the 50s i agree yeah but bands such as the kinks muddy waters and the yardbirds they played clubs and ballrooms in the late 60s and 8.5 was their fourth studio album released in 1976 yeah i think they only did one more after this that was it yeah they didn't do a lot uh, producers on this album, they had two of them for some. Twice, it's going to sound twice as good. Sure. <laughs> uh, the first guy was named Glenn Kalotkin. Mm-hmm. 130 producing credits to his name. Earthquake, the Greg Kinn Band, lots of the Greg Kinn Band. Yeah. Um, Journey and Joan Jett and the Ramones. Uh, the other guy was Matthew King Kaufman. That's a nice name. Mm. 124 producing credits to his name, uh, mostly Earthquake and also Greg Kinn. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Greg Kinn... talked about on this show well, before. been on the show before, but I'm also sure that he played with these guys off and on on some of their albums. Yeah, and he may have done some backup vocals and yeah. whatnot on this album as well. So, yeah, on the, he was like a, a session guy for them. He never went on tour with them, but he did stuff for them. So. Yeah, there, and there wasn't a lot of album or a lot of information out there about this band. It no. was kind of... Well, once you hear it, you kind of understand why. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the okay. track listing on uh, side A. Finders Keepers, Little Cindy, and He Likes to Hurt You, Savin' My Love. Side B, Girl Named Jesse James, Motivate Me, Hit the Floor, Same Old Story, Don't Want to Go Back. The runtime on this album, oh, that's pretty cool, is 34 minutes and 21 seconds. Doug just opened up the... Uh... Yeah. Is that them? That's them, yeah. Yeah, Doug just opened up the very cool bifold. Yeah, the gatefold's actually, gatefold, and it's like, yeah. like us, it's like almost kind of like the old centerfold where it's like it's lengthwise, and you know they're in their, I'm not sure what building they're in, some Aztec 
stuff going on in the background there. It must be a theater or something. Yeah, it's kind of crazy design, like the Orpheum Theater in yeah. Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, something like, like that. Very ornate and... Yeah, so yeah, it's just end with that, so... Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, for context, 34 minutes and 21 seconds. For context, uh, the Before album was Rocking the World, 1975, and A was Leveled. Leveled, which... I, in 1977. I don't, I'm surprised that we haven't covered it, because I'm pretty sure Leveled is in the collection somewhere. Interesting that they're all... Um, References to Earthquake. Earthquake? What? <laughs> yeah, really. Go figure, a band would call Earthquake. Like. And they're all out of, out of California, right? Out of Berkeley or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, oh, yeah, I guess we could even talk about it now. Yeah. <laughs> Just because it's like. I know, it was fast. It, it was fast. Because there wasn't much info, as uh, I mentioned. There, there really isn't. And, uh, yeah, the album cover is okay. That, that fold they got there is probably the most interesting thing. Uh, I would say for me that um, I gotta go to my actual notes here. Not that there's a whole lot of them. I, <laughs> I said a mediocre hodgepodge of songs that are kind of a ripoff of other songs. In that there's more than a few times that you and I were sitting there listening to it, and like you're talking like almost straight guitar riffs, or taking the taking the guitar riffs and just ripping them off entirely. And some of the songs you think, oh, okay, this is gonna be like a an Elvis Costello song or a Don Henley song. Like a, one of them could have been a Zeppelin song, and well, and, and the singer kind of sounded like Don Henley, or and it sounded like the one of the songs was like the Who, or it's yeah, just like yeah. there was. Then you just kind of like, why am I listening? This is like an album you'd have if you needed to do a, a movie, but you didn't have the budget for all these songs, but you wanted to have songs that sounded like those songs. It sounded this, like those other This bands, is kind yeah. of like the this not. It's like a knockoff album. It's yeah. really weird. Yeah, it was really interesting. It's um. Rocky enough. Oh yeah, it's, it's the pop, pop power rock. It is the pop power rock. Yeah, it's it's got a pretty consistent tone and like speed for sure. And as far as it, the sound and whatnot was concerned, it sounded good. It was mastered well, yeah, yeah. And uh, they're all very proficient musicians. Yeah. Very obviously. It just said it. I one of the other things I said it was uh, it's not horrible, it's not great, but it's absolutely forgettable. Yeah, yeah, because it sounds like so many other. People. Yeah, and it's funny. I actually, I put it down here. I thought it was a Canadian bar band just because of the the middle of the roadness of it. I thought, oh, for yeah. sure, this is gonna be another Alberta band that you know Dad listened to or whatever. But no, this is a California band that sounds like a Canadian bar band. So well, and technically, I guess they were. They played. Clubs yeah, I was gonna say that's what that's a lot of places. There are a lot of bands started out that way, but it really seems like they didn't have too much going for them after a certain point. They had they had a certain sound and. It was just boring for a whole album. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, it really just kind of faded into the background and not in a good way. Not in a good way. No, no. It just, yeah, it's just, it was just. And very unmemorable. Yeah. Just, yeah. I just, uh, again, I can't use the word generic enough. Like Other than that, you know, the times where I go, oh, this sounds like Don Henley. This sounds like the so-and-so. You yeah. know, and then you kind of <laughs> just like disappear kind of back into your Tune it out again, again yeah. yeah. <laughs> So. Uh, like you said, uh, Earthquake, 8.5, uh, Berserkly Records, BZ-0047-V, uh, Canada, 1976. This is an original a gatefold, and it has been hole-punched, no doubt. Condition, the cover is actually good to very good. Readable spine, no rips or tears, some fade, but I would, I would consider that into the good to very good category. I was able to get the information off of it, and there's no issues. Solid. I like it. It's the best thing about the album. 
Uh, sleeve, plain paper, which is good. I'm sure that's the original. The vinyl is also in very good condition. Uh, scuff and scratch free. It needs a cleaning, like all of them do, and I should make sure that I do every time. I didn't necessarily do it with this run, because I wanted to see if there was a difference. And yeah, there's definitely a difference. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, the uh, audio, like we talked about, it's not this is not it's not a bad album and the audio was solid it was a good mix had some bass had the uh, you know, had punch uh, had good stereo separation and, and sound field um and that's really about the max of good i can say about it so cover design and artwork by uh chris coyle r tootin w bostead and john jensen so for chris coyle this is his only credit that's it. This is one thing, and that's there. Uh, Randy, designer with 26 credits. Uh, this is the first on the show, but he's also worked with the Poignant Sisters, Jefferson Airplane, and the Grateful Dead. And W, this is only his only credit, or his or her only credit. That's all the refer that all the person is referred to is W Bostead. So mm. I, I don't know. And John, the photog with three credits, including this album, uh, Greg Kin, Earthquake, Lovell. Those, that's that's it, and then we know Greg, kind Ken, Ken, it is Ken. Ken yeah, we talked about this before. Like I said, he worked. He did some. He even says somewhere along the line that he did some work with these guys in, yeah. the, in the background. So, yeah. so that is it for me, because like you said, there ain't much on this album. Okay, so for the Discogs information, yeah, uh, six are for sale on the platform from six dollars and twenty nine cents. Fifty six people have it. Eleven people want it. It gets rated 3.5 out of 5 with 6 people sure. rating. Their family um, members. Resale value was $7 across the board. Yeah. No matter what condition it was in. So I gave it a 2 out of 5. Uh, it's funny. I gave it a little higher. Uh, I gave it a 2.5 and not because I thought it was a great or anything. It's just, you know, it, it sounded good. They're, they're good musicians. I just don't give a shit about the music. So yep. if you if you like these guys and you're into it, I'd probably recommend it. It's probably right up your alley. Uh, otherwise, I do not give a shit about because there's a million of these albums in the collection that we reviewed, and it just kind of gets smushed into a ball. Yeah, so. definitely. Okay, Earthquake Down. Moving on. All right. To the Rolling Stones. What do we got here? Girls. The Stones. So this is the sixth Rolling Stone album that we have reviewed. That's amazing. That, that's got to be more than any other band or group or person. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So these aren't in order of how we reviewed them, but they're in order of how the years they, they, were, they were supposed to be out. Yeah. So we've re reviewed 12, 12 by 5, yeah. 1965. We reviewed Exile on Main Street from 1972. Black and Blue, 1976, which was both of our favorites. Yeah, we've enjoyed them all. Yeah. Um, this one, Some Girls, 1978. Tattoo You in 1981, and Undercover 1983. Oof. There we go. And we've reviewed them all within the last year. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, they've, they've come out last little bit. Some just a couple of months ago. So, yeah. The bulk, bulk of the height of their career. So, other than rather than going into a big, long song and dance, we've talked about yeah. the Rolling Stones were yeah. uh, English rock band formed in 1962. Some Girls is their 14th British and 16th American studio album. Mm-hmm released in 1978. By 1976, their popularity was so in decline as music was dominated by disco <laughs> and newer punk. rock bands. Well, punk, punk, was, punk yeah. was emerging. Yeah, punk was emerging. Yeah. Um, and due to legal troubles surrounding Keith Richards, Mick Jagger is regarded as the principal force behind some girls. 
um, taking influence from dance music, most notably disco, during the sessions. This was the first album to feature guitarist Ronnie Wood as a full-time member. Hmm. And so with a stable lineup in place for the first time in years, the album was back to basics for the band, and the album didn't feature many guest musicians, unlike many of their prior albums. Yeah, I was going to say, I did, did notice that as well. Despite controversy around the cover art and lyrical content, Some Girls was a commercial success peaking at number two on the UK charts and number one on the US charts. It became the band's top-selling US album, selling six million copies by the year 2000. Rebounding from the relative critical disappointment of Black and Blue, which, like I've already mentioned, uh, yeah, that, that, was, so that was our favorite album out of what we've reviewed so absolutely, far. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Some Girls was a major critical success. Some critics thinking it as a classic return to form for the band, and was there, and they thought it was their best album since Exile on Main Street. It became the only album to be nominated for a Grammy in the Album of the Year category. Hmm. Producers, the Glimmer Twins. Hmm. And I checked just for fun. They have 145 producing credits to their name. Oh, um, wow. All Rolling Stones, of course. Hmm. Uh, track listing, side A, Miss You, When the Whip Comes Down, Just My Imagination, Running Away With Me, Some Girls, and Lies. Uh, side... Yeah, side two. Two. Far Away Eyes. Respectable, Before They Make Me Run, Beast of Burden, and Shattered. So out of this album, there were four singles. Shattered, oh, yeah. Beast of Burden, Respectable, and... Keep flipping it the wrong way. Miss You. Uh, Just My Imagination was a Motown hit. Mm-hmm. So that's the only cover on the, the album. The rest were all written by the band. Yeah, and... Uh... Well, it's kind of what we talked about, you know. Black and Blue is was our still still going to be my uh, favorite Rolling Stones album that we've that we've covered anyway for sure. Yeah, because it's the least Rolling Stones sounding album, and I think that's why. Yeah, well, it's just and it's like to me the other thing about Black and Blue, well, it's 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 like kind of the old Rolling Stones sound that I like. It's just it's them and their blues and their rock and Black and Blue to me there was a much more interesting whole album. Where this is, to me, this is like half of a really great album, but then I don't like some of the songs anyway. I, I just, they're hits, the hits that you mentioned, there's like four or five really good songs, and then some songs that are like, yeah, okay, they're there, they exist, it's got to fill that album. Yeah, it's funny, because when I was growing up, this was the only Rolling Stone album that I ever bought. I understand why. I, I get the reviews, because it is now, it's, it's what I would consider the prototypical Rolling Stones album. This is exactly it. You even actually complained about one of the things that is, I think, is probably its strengths and that it gets good reviews for is its energy. Yeah. Because it's like it fucking goes the whole time. Yeah. And it's like it's meant to be played louder. Yeah. And um, one thing you did mention, uh, mention that I want to mention too, is that the sound, there are a couple of the last songs. I don't know if it's, it seems like the hits, the, the few songs that they put out there as hits are better, a little more rounded in sounds. They have more punch and more stuff. But there was a couple of songs, especially on the second side, where it was just like, it's just like, it's just not even mids, it's just highs. Yeah. And it kind of got on, like, a little, like you, you call it screechy. And yeah, a little bit, it just, a lot of the extra EQing faded away, and you're just kind of left with this high-end mess. But um, but like I said, the, the actual the actual single sounded really good, I think. Yeah. But, outs, but outside of that, you could, you could tell the difference between the songs they give a shit about and what they... 
but they didn't. Well, and it's funny because, you know, I did say that this was the only Rock or Rolling Stone album that I ever owned. And I, I pretty much remember playing the shit out of that at the time. Yeah, I believe it. It could have been because of the people I was hanging around with at the time. But I re realized when I went through doing the research mm -hmm. why I bought it. Because there was a lot of hype around it at the time. Yeah, well, because... Like, and it was everywhere. Well, like you would mentioned, they're on their on a downslope. They're becoming irrelevant. And music is changing around them. So they they went out and they're like, okay, we're going to do some of the shit. Now, they didn't... They really haven't done any punk-like stuff. But there's definitely some disco-like shit in here. Yeah. And they've definitely got their more of their pop rock sound down. <laughs> and then they've got their little country ditty. Yeah. Girl with the faraway eyes with the twang and Well it's funny because it's Jagger doing his West or his Southern Country Southern accent. Country accent. Well yeah, because like these well really the whole song is about making fun of the yeah, yeah, whole yeah, thing, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, so yeah, 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 it's like Yeah. That's the, one of the things that makes me laugh about listening to it is that he's clearly making fun of those people, so and you know, you can really tell by listening to the lyrics that some girls was actually his life. Yeah, you know, just the lyrics are so telling about, you know, how women. Oh well, it's funny because that that song in particular got them in some shit. Yeah, uh, it got them banned from black radio, quote unquote. It's not my, but from and he actually uses the term colored radio, which is because about some of the stereotypes of, of women in there, yeah, particularly yeah. black women. Yeah. Um, and I don't have the exact lyrics, but they, they they like to fuck all night long, but I don't have the jam or something like yeah, that. Oh yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, and to the point that one of the representatives had to meet with like Jesse Jackson and just explain to him like, look, this song isn't meant to be taken at face value. It's a fucking joke song, making fun of those stereotypes, and they were just not having any of it. So the Rolling Stones were just like, yeah, that sucks that you think that song is to be taken serious, and they like never came to a, a, rev, a re resolution about it. But it got banned from play in some areas. Oh yeah, I can totally get it. I mean, it's it's every Mick Jagger. It's probably every member of the band's experience with women, but particularly Mick Jagger, yeah. because he was the star of the show. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I could see him, uh, you know, having those experiences with women. For sure, and that's what. It, yeah, it's just so it kind of blew up a little bit. That part, and yeah. there's more that that blew up with it, particularly about the cover. I'll talk about in a sec here. Uh, the runtime on this album yeah. is 40 minutes and 45 seconds. And for context, the before album was "Love You Live" 1977, and after "Emotional Rescue" in 1980. Hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see one more of these in in the collection before we're over. Yeah. Pretty amazing. I never thought that we'd be honestly growing up with this collection, and even in the form that it's in now, which is like a definitely a different version of it. But uh, growing up with this collection, I never realized there was six Rolling Stones albums in here. Never. Possibly more. I knew there were some. I knew some girls was in there for sure, and I knew oh, one of the ones, Tattoo You or whatever, was in there. But yeah, just to see how many are actually in here, it's pretty wild. Well, I honestly thought it was going to be more Zeppelin and more Floyd, but they were not even close. Like. Not even close. Well, and it's funny. I was really kind of surprised, too, when I looked to see, you know, how many we had reviewed in the past. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing this for four years, like we've mentioned many times. And you kind of, you know, especially when you're not a f fan of the band, it kind of, you know, leaves your memory pretty quickly. Well, and I think... So I was kind of surprised. I'm just trying to think, like, maybe the Beatles would be second at this stage? With the amount of albums? Yeah. I'll have to go through one day just see who of, was the most of the artists. Yeah, are, yeah, out of curiosity, because I don't think we've done that many Beatles albums either. White album, Abbey Road, uh, 
Sergeant Peppers. Sergeant Peppers, yeah, thank you. Um, oh, shit, there's at least, so maybe, right, so maybe four. Maybe four. But still, you're right, six on this one. And, so. you know, I, I would think of the Beatles as a much more prol- prolific band than the Rolling Stones. Oh, no. Beatles were done here by the time this album was coming out. But as far as their body of work. Huh. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I much prefer the Beatles over the Rolling Stones. Oh, sh- shit. Yeah, well, they're kind of the, they kind of did the same thing after a certain point. But, yes. Um, so, Some Girls by the Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones Records, catalog. COC 39108 in Canada 1978. This is an original pressing. <clears throat> and actually, not only the, it's the original pressing, it's the first round of, and we'll get into this with the, with the colors, because each area, each market had different colors on the album. So this is the first run of the blue, pink, green, yellow run. I think I remember hearing that. With, the, di- with the die cut faces. Yeah. This, this is a very specific, which is why it's worth what it is. Um, the condition, the cover is actually good to very good. Uh, it's just very slight condom ring, but other than that, it's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. I think that different colors have a big, uh, thing to do with that. I agree. It hides because it, it doesn't really show the wear, like the black or yes. gray or white ones. Uh, okay. A hundred percent. And the spine is totally readable, which is great. Um, the sleeve is very good because it's just like, it's the cardboard. It's just the pictures that go in with. The cutout faces on the front, and so that that's good. That's an all. My only problem with that is, and it's the same thing that happened with back in the days with CDs, it cardboard sleeves. Fucking, mm. they're just designed by Hitler, I think. Yeah, putting they, a, a fucking it's a lot of wear and tear, sliding yeah. in and out, and when you pull this album, you could hear it just grinding across. Yeah. decades of dirt that have built up in there. So, yeah. um, you probably. If you're gonna keep that keep that album played again. You might want to give the inside of that sleeve a wipe. Um, where are we at here? The audio we just talked about it. It's mostly very good, and the ones that were, I seemed I think were singles tend to sound better. But I said the last few songs lack the polish of the first. Like it just really it did get to a point where it was like. Ugh. So artwork, uh, cover design, and concept by Peter Corsington, uh, Corsten, Corsten. There we go. Uh, Peter, art director, designer, uh, once again, he, with AGI, which just seems to be like this <laughs> faceless, uh, Corporation? yeah, design house that's just boggles the mind. 124 credits on the show twice with the stones undercover and tattoo you, uh, worked with the grand funk fog hat and average white band, which like I said, I've I always, remember them. I know I'm always surprised that we don't have any of them on the show. Like, <laughs> It seems like something that would definitely be in the collection. Yes, I agree. So um, I will say, okay, I'll get into this now. The cover. So the album cover or the uh, album colors varied by uh, market, like I, like I mentioned it. I said uh, this this cover in particular featured the Rolling Stones faces uh, alongside those of select female celebrities inserted into an uh, an old copy of Valmore Products advertisement. The cover design was legally challenged by Lucille Ball, Farrah Fawcett, Liza Minnelli, Rebecca Welch. Are there and, pictures in there? Yes, and the state of Marilyn Monroe uh, for using their likeness without permission. Valmore also sued. They all won. Uh, the cover was ah, changed. Ah. The cover was changed, removing all celebrity faces, and, and, and actually they end up having to pay Valmore uh, out. I had to pay the money for it, and the rest of them were just like, you got to take our likeness off there. Gotcha. So, so hence that this is the first copy of this, but all the copies after this all had the faces blocked out. 
or not blocked out, but they were just like blank spots on there. Okay, so they just removed. They just re- they just removed them, and then it just you'll see what like it'd be blank, blank wherever whoever suits so a blank, uh, blank, and then just oh, that's hilarious. and then the very f- there was a different copy put out in 1980 where actually somebody had hand drawn or the artist had drawn faces in there, just like <laughs> 50s kind of faces or whatever from the kind of like the magazine. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, they, it's funny they keep getting, they got sued for some of their stuff. It doesn't matter though; it was a massive hit yeah, for them. Yeah, the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a game this changer. This is a massive hit. They had the money. They have. Well, yeah, I was gonna say even then they had more money than fucking small countries. Yeah. Doesn't even matter, and it's just like the just one. Despite the tax rate, tax rate in the UK. Which is the one where the song or the the, the 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 billboard was was like Mick Jagger was like had a girl in chains or something like that. It doesn't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter because. It it all worked out to be good publicity for the for the band. They got even more rich. Which album was that? That was like is that what Black and Blue? Yes. Yes. Okay. That was it. Was the advertisement for Black and Blue? Okay. Yeah, because it the yeah the women's uh, the women's which call it were they were women's groups they weren't so. jacked yeah they weren't jacked about the whole thing yeah 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 okay so there you go so that's uh, that's it for me okay so. Discogs, 8 for sale for $15. 884 people have it. 229 people want it. Um, it gets 4.15 out of 5 with 81 ratings. Hmm. The resale value on this album is $11.42, $29.98, and $65 in good condition, which I would classify this as. Except one thing. Oh, the album. The, I don't know if I talked about it. Is the actual vinyl? No, I didn't. See, I skipped up over that a little bit. Is the vinyl, and we had issues with this one. And it's a combination of three things. It's it's very fucking dirty, and I didn't clean them. But it's also very scratched and very scuffed, and it's been very worn, very played. Yeah, yeah. There was one song <laughs> that skipped so much. I said to Doug. If we don't take this off, I'm going to break the record. Yeah, well, it's a great skip spot, too. It's just like this perfect loop. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was not very good. Now, I think giving it a proper clean down will help some of that. But I also, looking back at the album, too, I think there's just going to be some skips in it. Damn it. I know, I know. It's always something when we get the high price album. So it could be a situation, because they're original. The reason is because they're original. They've probably been played a whole bunch, and mm-hmm. that's why they're like that. So it could be a situation where, like, clean it up the best you can and be like, hey, if you already have a vinyl that's good, slap it in this case. Boom. But, yeah, that's something I want to talk about was the how beat up it was. Yeah, yeah, it, it skipped a lot. Once again, I'm part of that, too, having to slide it into a fucking cardboard case. Yep, as you talk about, yeah. CD, I've killed so many CDs like that in the past. Every time you put it in there, it's just like, oh, that's nails on a chalkboard. part of their... Scam. Scam, I'm sure. Oh, you have to buy a new copy now because you have wore it out putting it in. Sleeve. Okay, uh, what are you giving it? What are you doing? I'm going to give it a three out of five. Oh, uh, funny enough, me too. Like I said, it just ended up reinforcing how much I like black and blue. Yeah. Compared to this. And in fact, we've listened to some of the Black and Blue again since then. Some yeah. of the songs. So. And it's like, for me, it's kind of like, well, you own this album. You yeah, you did. It a yeah. lot. You're like, I, I love it so much. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of the Rolling Stones, as you all know. I've made it very <laughs> apparent through a lot of these. But it, yeah, three out of five. Yeah. Okay, same for me. Okay, some girls, Rolling Stones, down. 
All right. And last but not least. J.J. Kale, Troubadour. Yeah, J.J. Kale. And I will say one thing before we even get started, that the uh, album title is very fitting for this album. Mm-hmm. So, J.J. Kale was an American guitarist, singer, and songwriter. Though he avoided the limelight, his influence as a musical artist has been widely acknowledged by figures such as Mark Knopfler, Neil Young, and Eric Clapton, um, who've described him as one of the most important artists in the history of rock. Troubadour is his fourth studio album, released in 1976. Um, It was certified silver, 60,000 copies. It went to number 53 in the UK and 84 in the US. Um, Kale himself released 15 studio albums and many of his songs have been made famous by bigger artists such as Eric Clapton. Um, A little bit of a story that I saw in my travels which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, J.J. Kale had been recording some of his own albums. He was in his 30s. He was dirt poor, didn't have enough money to um, buy himself food. He was languishing in obscurity. And then one day he hears After Midnight on the radio. Hmm. It had been released by Eric Clapton. Yeah. He was so happy to make some money off of that. And like I said, many artists, and Eric Clapton has done others of his song. Mm -hmm. Cocaine is one of them. Cocaine's probably the biggest one. Yeah. Um, Producer Audi Ashworth, 117 producing credits to his name. Okay. Most of J.J. Kale's catalog. The track listing on this uh, album, Hey Baby, Travel in Light, You Got Something, Ride Me High, Hold On, and Cocaine. On side B, I'm a Gypsy Man, The Woman That Got Away, Super Blue, Let Me Do It To You, Cherry, and You Got Me On So sad, so Bad. The runtime of this album, 36 minutes and 11 seconds. Yeah, that's what I thought was crazy. It's one of the things right away is like, holy shit, it's 12. You know, you look at the vinyl, it's 12 songs. You think, holy, we're going to be here all night. No, it's only 36 minutes. No. And I could have been here all night. Yeah, this one, I think, but I think that this, the, the length of it helped helped it because it wasn't just like going to overstay. It's not yeah, a 45-minute yeah. album where you're like, oh, okay. But no, um, yeah, you go ahead. Uh, for context, before album was called Oki. 1974, and the after album was called Five, hmm. Number Five, Four, five. Uh, 1979. Makes sense. So, what you think of it? Give us a rundown. I really, really, really like this album. Have you been familiar with his work before? Like, no. okay. I don't think I've ever. Well, I can't say don't think ever, but I I don't remember ever listening to what specifically album his. Is. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. I know the songs that he's got out there on the radio by other artists. Um. But I just, I really loved this album. Yeah, it was one of those surprises. Like, I, you know, I first of all, I know my brain kept going to, or like J.J. Kale, but what's the other one there? Oh, I, my brain kept going to Jay Giles. I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, I don't want to listen to this shit again. Because we've been listening to so much of it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, we put it on, and I think it was like pretty quick. I didn't even make it like halfway through the first side. And it's like, ah, oh, shit, this is really good. Yeah. And in fact, then yesterday, I think it was yesterday we were listening to it, and it was a perfect day for it. This is this is what we call uh, a background album. Yeah. You put it on. It's not too. It's not too loud. It's not too fast. The screen is just perfect. And it was yesterday was a nice. It was the first rainy day we've had in three months. 
And you don't ignore it though. When no, you, you know exactly. No, no, no. It's you not actually like you're, listen you're listening to it, to it and yeah. enjoying it, but it's yeah. just like it's one of those ones like a, the, we talk about Willie Nelson or whatever, where it just you know it fills the room. It sounds good. You're listening yeah. to it, but it's not. Yeah, it just it worked perfectly. Like yesterday was a rainy day, and it fucking fit perfectly. We just had it on. And you know, it's, the windows it's, open. For the most part, it's a quiet album. Yeah, it is. And in fact, just even from like a mastering standpoint, is immediately like a, I don't know how it's a, like a third quieter than the other two. I had to turn it up a bunch extra just to get to the same level. So yeah, I agree. It's quiet. It's quiet and, and physically playing and quiet when it plays back. So it's, um, which is fine though. And, and I'll, I'll talk about the mix about that as well is because I found the mix to kind of play into its strengths a bit better because it's not it doesn't have a lot of bass in the sense that you don't hear the kick drums necessarily but this one is particularly layered it, and that's that's it it's driven it's more geared towards the vocals and the guitar and a, a bit of the bass yeah that's where its home is because that's what's going on and this album he used they introduced a lot of musical instruments i guess for yeah, lack like of a, a better way to put like it a synth that or he's a never used or something. before yeah yeah i read that uh, the amount of musicians that he used on this album is fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. He didn't have a touring band as far as I no, know. No, so it's like you're looking at the musician list. And it's like session, session musicians, but for every song, there's like two or three. Uh, it changes. So you have this list essentially for every song, you're having essentially different artists or different musicians come and play. Yeah, and I didn't particularly during any of the research see any information about him going out on tour no i just so assumed I that he, he just really kind didn't of wrote these songs yeah, recorded yeah. them and uh put them out on records and so he was just yeah he was he just got, like a studio guy he got rich off of other people's well he got rich off covers. royalties yeah. yeah 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 it's like okay fine you can use this yeah sure pay me that's yeah. fine go make oh i hope it's big yeah yeah <laughs> and bigger, bigger a lot of more money yeah you know like after like, midnight and cocaine are two examples by yes that's funny, I didn't realize After Midnight was his as well. Yeah. Fucking Gary Clopton. Yeah, like it's funny because he made a demo with After Midnight as the side B in 1966. Wow. Oh, wow. And um, it apparently the Eric Burden, or not the Eric Burden, the Eric Clopton rendition of it is much more aggressive. Yes, and, upbeat work. Yeah, where his, well, he even talked about, his version. They even talked about that for co cocaine on here. Yeah. They talked about how the studio wanted him. It wanted to be more, a little, a little quicker, a little more up. Upbeat's not the right term, but quicker and a yeah, little more yeah, faster. yeah, faster. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, eh, 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 let somebody else do that. Yeah. <laughs> so they did. And they did. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Clapton did it. Um, and, and I'm with you. Yeah, this is a very good album. I was kind of like shitting on the idea about the whole thing because I, I do, as soon as, as soon as certain guitar blues stuff comes up, and it's not because I hate the genre. I absolutely do not. I love blues and stuff. It just this came on and it's like right away in the first couple of songs he's playing and singing it's like oh yeah this is this is all right yeah it's like one of those ones that'd be good to see down at the oh, for nobody listens to this from Van, old Vancouver but for like the Yale that'd be a great place to go see him if you yeah. were to play yeah definitely smaller venue blues bar yeah um, and and his sound is they call it Tulsa a Tulsa sound hmm. and he's one of the people that kind of. What does it entail? Do you know? I he's, didn't see that. He's from Tulsa. He what, grew up in Tulsa. What does that sound? His albums. Okay. <laughs> to me, it sounds like any of the any of the blues albums. So, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. I. Uh, one one last thing about it too was it's funny that we were just having, we just had uh, dinner with my parents and uh, a friend. This is really the first time we had gotten together with anybody outside the the family, and it was an outdoor dinner and everything. We're all safe about that shit, so don't worry. 
And uh, it was funny because the one of the we we mentioned that we've been working on this podcast, and the one the the first album the person mentioned the first first album they brought up was Have You Done J J Kale's Troubadour album, and it's like no, we probably will, and like literally the the next episode was J J Kale's Troubadour. So yeah, yeah. it's funny how that worked out. We just pulled it out. Sometimes that's been happening a little more recently where something will happen in real life or so somebody <laughs> or something will be like, hey, what about this album? And, and then, then, boop, there boop, it is. It shows up. And the other thing I'll mention about this, too, is I love the cover of this album. Yes, I do want to mention that, too. It's a fantastic cover. If anybody's seen it, it's like uh, the head of the guitar is kind of sticking up, but all the it's against a, a sky in the background, and it's just these uh, airbrushed cloud, guitar clouds. And it is very, very pleasant. Yeah. It matches the music. It's just, like, very chill. Yeah, 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 it sure does. So, yeah, I, I like that as well. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah. So, Troubadour by J.J. Kale, Shelter Records, catalog 9309-52002. Canada, 1976. This is in original pressing. The condition, the cover is poor, very poor. It's faded, it's worn, it's torn, and it's generally broken. Um, it's not even the glue that's broken on this side. It's literally just the shitty cardboard. It's one of those flimsy cardboard ones, and it's it's done. Oh yeah, you don't even really have much left to glue. No, and at the top, the, the top is following suit. Yeah, that's just yeah. literally disintegrating. <laughs> I would imagine that album just got a crazy amount of play. It probably went a lot of places. Uh, sleeve none. So once again, you're just raw dogging it right into that cardboard, which is all gritty. Uh, vinyl heavily scuffed and scratched. It's still played. Yeah, I don't remember any. No, skips. in fact, in fact, I know. I was gonna say the same thing. I don't remember any skips either. Oh, it yeah. played. It was. It sounded like it was dirty, but it played through, which is yeah. amazing. Because then you have the Rolling Stones album that would not play at all unless you're sitting there flicking the the thing to keep skipping over it. So, anyways, yeah, it's just weird. Uh, the audio, I said, it's beat up and worn, and we we talked about it how it's quiet, but it, it sounded good. Like they, the sound that they were going for, the mix that they were going for, worked for their thing. Um, it didn't have to beat you in the face with the, any of the bass or anything, but all the, the weight was in the guitars and voice and, and keyboards, stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> the cover design and illustration by uh, two people, Vigon Nashath and Charles E. White III. <laughs> uh, Vigo, two credits, this and Fleetwood Mac's Tusk, which I think is, should be coming up soonish. Yeah. There's a Fleetwood Mac album coming for sure. Um, and Chuck, he's a graphic artist and award-winning airbrush artist, obviously, with his airbrush clouds. Uh, second time on the show for him. The first was Gentle Giant's Octopus, which is, fucking love that cover. That is a great cover. Go look at that yeah. one. Yeah. And he also worked with Cheech and Chong, uh, The Tramps, and Chuck Berry. So there you go. That's, that's that. Uh, all my notes we've, we've talked about. And, okay, so I just want to add one more thing. This one for me was kind of like finding John Prine. Yes, a little bit, a little bit of that. Maybe not quite to that degree because we already, for me, kind of already like blues rock to some degree. Yeah, but just this country. artist in particular. But, but I agree with you. It's like, oh, holy shit. Um, I've listened to a couple of John Prine albums since our, we did our. Oh, have you done it? Okay. Yeah, and and liked them both okay, a lot. Right on. Um, this is another uh, artist that I will be going and searching out his. More, more of his, of his discography. Work, I wonder if more will be in there. Just to listen to his work. Just to listen to it, yeah. And um, I've already downloaded this one to my phone. Okay, cool. I've, already, I've thrown three of, the, three of the songs already in our, our list, our playlist. So. so it's for me, it's another one of those soul-warming albums that just kind of mm -hmm. make you... 
Be a good drive. Feel good. Probably be a good driving, like on the highway. You're out for a road trip kind of album too. <laughs> yeah, kind of like uh, just put Bex. it off. Yeah, Bex uh, Golden Age. Gold, no, oh, Sea Change. Sea Change. Sea Change. Yeah. Yes, sorry. Driving, yeah. driving at night. Just turn it on. Just dark and just go. Yeah, or drive through the desert. Nobody else on the road. Yeah. Yeah, was, Except yeah. the cop behind you. <laughs> that wasn't until later on, though. No, I know that. No, it was just us in the middle of but fuck nowhere. <laughs> so I give this one four to five. Yeah, four to five. I'm with I'm with you, and I mean that's always subject to change later. The more you listen to it, the more you like it. That could be higher or lower. Oh yeah, because but... it could potentially go to a five for me as well. Must own, must listen kind yeah, of deal. Yeah, exactly. So okay, JJ Kale, Troubadour down. Uh, the best of three for me, obviously, because it's the highest rated, and of the three for me is JJ Kale. Yeah, no, I don't always go by highest rated because I think we the last episode uh, I had given I hadn't given um, John Prine the highest rating, but he was the best. Al- I thought I thought it was the best album. So it's funny people are like, how could it not be the best? It, just because there could be other factors other than just the number. Gotcha. And and yes, I agree with you on this one. JJ Kale's album is the best out of three, for sure. Cool, cool. There you go. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, three in a row, man. We're on a run. We're on a run, and I think it's going to continue to some degree. I think we're I, gonna, hope I think so. we're going to be okay for a while. We were through some stuff, so. All right. Thank you for listening, and uh, yeah, you'll hear from us soon. Yep. Bye. Bye. Oh, thank you.